Hello and welcome to episode 5 of the Cheshire Boys Experience. I'm sat here with, well with him again, this is Mark, <laughs> bloody hell. Um, today we're going to be talking about uh, Megan and Harry starting their own roi- like rival royal honours list. <laughs> so rival in the Queen's honours list. Um, also a bit of BBC bias, just some facts on that. Um, Brexit, the deal or no deal, are we going to have a deal on the 31st or are we not going to have one? I highly doubt it. Yes, me too, but we'll go on to that. Uh, we're going to have two funnies of the day, and we're going to have Trump as well. A bit, a bit Again, we always have to have him. A Trump. bit of Trump and Biden, you know. Right, right, starting off, um, Meghan and Harry starting their rival royal honours list. So what this means, basically, is so the Queen has their um, royal honours list. So say you're an amazing scientist and you made a breakthrough. Say you just made the breakthrough of the COVID vaccine. The Queen could on you, like, give you a royal honour, basically, and it's like you get put on a list, whatever. You know that that type of thing. Meghan and Harry, who have split away from the royal family, um, and are not no longer part of the royal family, living in America, want to start their own rival royal honours list. Agree or disagree? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm against the concept of you know the honours list in the first place. You know there are different prizes for like if you're a scientist, you know you probably don't really care about the Queen's award. You know probably going for like a Nobel in the first place. Yeah, no, so, no, I was listening to um, a scientist. And she was like, well, would you want to accept a, an award off Meghan and Harry? And she was like, frankly, I don't give one. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, scientists don't go in there for, you know, oh, look, like, the Queen gave me a handshake. It's because, no, but... Look, I, I saved, like, a million lives. Yeah, no, no, but say... Um, or, you know, I get paid, like, 10k a month or something, you know. Say Anthony Joshua getting a royal honour. So he's a boxer. He probably means quite a bit to him getting honoured and recognised by the Queen when he's come up from basically nothing. Hmm. So, like, people like that. The, the royal honour can be anything, so... Do you think Meghan and Harry should start their own royal honours list? It can um, be for crap like acting and all that sort of stuff. Do you think they should be allowed to do that when they've split off from the royal family? Are still making money off being the royal family, but aren't having to do any of the duties of the royal family? In terms yeah, of frankly, I think it is a bit, it is a bit pushing. Like, I, I'm down for them leaving, you know, and starting their own thing, but, like, they're still kind of milking the whole royal thing. But uh, I'm not too bothered, I'll be honest about it, personally. Like, I, I don't really... I'm not... They, to involve the royal family myself. They did just sign a $150 million um, Netflix deal um, to get filmed, basically, to see what the life of a royal is like and all that sort of crap. I mean, Even though they're not supposed to be part of the royal family. I mean, Meghan is kind of an actor, actress as well. So she, I mean. Yeah, no, but like that is really milking <laughs> it. But I suppose if someone stuck that amount of money in front of me, I would do the same. You wouldn't complain. Um, personally, Meghan and Harry starting a rival royal honours list. I don't... I, Seems I quite do, interesting. Seems, seems quite fun. No, but wh- why? Why? You wanted to lead the royal family, and now you're trying to attack... Uh, like You're trying to start your own royal family, is what it's like. <laughs> you, if you want to live a normal life, which is what they both wanted, then don't try and start a royal honours list. Like, come on. <laughs> anyway, move, moving swiftly onwards, as we both... You don't care, and I... Not, not personally too bothered, no. Yeah, well, I, I just don't. M- more awards to go around for me. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'd... <laughs> What are you going to get an award for, being a prick? <laughs> right, anyway. Do you think the royal family, um, that in this country we should be paying for the royal family? So 67 in 2018 to 2019, £67 million pounds of taxpayers' money went on the royal family security, funding, etc. I think, I'm not sure about the security, but I think we pay a lot more for like trips and all that. Like We pay like a lot. Yeah, it was total taxpayers' money to fund the royal family. The figure, the official figure, was six, seven million. It may well be more, but that's the official figure. So yeah, I, I heard it was around a hundred mil just for like just general paying them, you know, in general. We also like fix their Buckingham Palace, you know, renovations. I, either way, the taxpayer is forking out a lot of money. That could build quite a few hospitals. I mean, could it? 
I mean, if you think about it, what like sixty-seven mil or hundred mil is okay. definitely like a week, one or two okay. hospitals. The weekly NHS bill is over two billion. Yeah, like, no, no, like, no, like, but like sixty mil. So just build a hospital without no, 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 any no, no, drugs no, and it's, running it's, it. It's, it's not. It's not just building a hospital. It's just maintaining the NHS. Two billion a week. Yeah, still sixty-seven million does go. Uh, it'll be used but, up quite quickly, but I think I think I'm more of a I'm more of a stop paying them and just let them do their thing because obviously they'll still be part of the um, you know parliamentary process and you know they still get money through tourism and you know they can start like 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 a like a Patreon or something you know or GoFundMe get get their own funding from the public if they want no, to. No, but problem is then would they have enough money to fund their own security like to the level it is because otherwise they'd probably get assassinated and stuff. I like mean, that, they own a lot of land. Also, I mean, the Queen isn't exactly like a very decisive political figure. Well, she's supposed to be impartial. Hmm? She's supposed to be impartial. Yeah, she's she, not supposed to... She basically have, is. Or, or she she is impartial. Yeah. Like, no, her job is to be impartial. Yeah, exactly. No, she, she has no, like, enemies, basically. You know, un- unless they're, like... That's not true. ...heavily That's anti-monarchy. Well, think, think about... Well, one, there is many people that are, like, very anti-monarchy, but think about just people that hate this country in general. So down in the Middle East, there'll be plenty of people that would love to just go thanks, thanks as, as a kick in the teeth to the Brits. Fucking let's have the Queen. Let's fucking shoot her. Bang! Think? Okay, first off, they own a lot of land, so I'm sure like the security, they'll be fine with it. And second off, all, I, I, okay, I think that it's, it's a bit of a stretch to say that someone from the Middle East is going to come and shoot the Queen. No, it could be from anywhere. Like, it could be from America. <laughs> That's like, not the point. They might just the want to shoot the Queen just to get you know the, their name in the media type thing, etc., etc. I, I, I doubt if we stop paying them, then they're going to get Well, look what Di- Diana, she left the royal family and didn't have any royal security, and then look what happened to her. She died pretty quickly afterwards, only a couple of years afterwards, yeah, wasn't I, it? I, I don't know what happened to Diana, so I'm not going to comment on that, but I'm sure the Queen will be just fine with her millions and millions of uh, income no, I mean, from her estate. No, no, you got to think, that's 67 mil. I mean, a lot of that, the Queen and the royal family itself is a big, like the royal guards, which is all included in that money, is a big attraction in terms of tourism. Like, a lot of people come here... And they go, as part of that, I want to go to Buckingham Palace and, you know, stand outside and watch the guards for a bit and all that sort of stuff. But, okay, so first off, if you're coming to London, you're probably not coming just because of Buckingham Palace. It's going to be it's gonna be on your list. No, but, yeah, it's going to be on your list. Uh, so so it second is. off, even if we did stop paying them, Buckingham Palace still exists. And, you know, the Queen's guards are still going to be out there just chilling, walking about. But who's paying the Queen's guards, then? The Queen. Because they're with her what, guards. With what money, though? With the money from the estate that she owns. Like, the millions of acres that she owns. Is she working to keep that money, or is she just... I mean, yeah, she, is, she, is it, is it I mean, in the bank? Okay, there are different options where we could either take the land off her or just keep her, like, keep the land with the royal family. And I guess we're talking about the option where we let them keep it. So they're just, just going to have, like, a good passive income, like a couple, couple mil a month, you know, just as you do. And they get to pay whatever they want. They get to... Couple mil a month. <laughs> they get to pay whatever security they want and renovate their houses as much as they want. And also worth, like, a good, like, 100 billion or something. So I think they'll be fine. No, I think 100 billion is far, but... No, 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 it's, it's, they're worth, like, 88 billion. Really? Yeah. Also, the last point is that France kind of got all, like, uh, you know, choppy with their monarchs, and they're, like, the highest tourist, like, destination in the world. You know, Paris is, like, the most visited city. I'm pretty sure France is the number one on that list. I didn't even know France still had a monarchy. No, 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 they didn't. Like, the French Revolution. You know, they don't have a monarchy. Yeah, no, monarchy. I was going to say, yeah. I didn't think they did. Yeah, you know, when they chopped all their heads off. Oh, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's going to degree tourism. I'm saying we're paying 67 mil for the Queen back to exist and have the tradition there. Um, but quite a lot of that will actually come back because the tourism that she mm-hmm. does attract. I, I, th- I think we can just cut off the losses and keep the benefits because, like, people are actually going to come see Buckingham Palace, you know. Also, she, she doesn't have to pay tax, which kind of annoys me. I'm not sure that's how it works, though, to be honest. What is? Well, 
The tax system? Yeah, no, no, she, no, she, no, she no, voluntarily no, pays taxes. No, in terms of if she's not getting the money from the taxpayer, she cannot be the queen, she cannot perform her role properly. Why not? Because she can't travel places, she, she, can't, she can't have the security, the security is what most of it goes on. Yeah, yeah, like, but no, most of it. she's not like dirt poor, like the royal family is pretty no, rich. No, 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 but like, she can't keep, um, she can't maintain all the houses and stuff, so then she's not... Oh, no. no but you Good heavens. Right. Okay. Will anyone think of the mansions? Anyone think of them? Oh. <laughs> no, but she, no, but the family are still pretty rich. Like they will still be able to afford security and like going out places and all that. No, but it won't be to the level at all. Security definitely won't be to the level. It's like royal security is like world renowned. Yeah, but, I mean, they, anyway, they'll survive. That's anyway, fine. sixty-seven million is pretty steep. It should it should be a lot less than that. But like, <laughs> I like the, having the, um, the royal traditions. She's I'm not against a nice monarchy. I'm not against a monarchy, but. If it did disappear tomorrow, I would not lose any sleep over it, <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, yeah, and I say that as a Brexiteer, so someone that's like, you know, patriotic and all that. All that, oh, we love all that. that. All that jazz. We love that, that we love that. Um, next on the agenda, something you just don't like gloss over every time I chat to you about Brexit, but it's um, BBC bias. So the BBC does make up a large portion of British media, so mm-hmm. a lot of opinions that people have. Um, n- not close to all, but uh, quite a few opinions will be based around what the BBC presents. Yeah. Um, and I just want to touch on some just facts about the BBC's right, go on. not so impartial news, which is supposed to be impartial that we pay for. We pay the TV license, and that funds them. Okay. So BBC Radio Four, three point two percent of guests that they've had on there are Brexiteers. That's that's, that's too high. Too high. <laughs> too high. Get, get the number down to 0%, they will, they will talk. BBC Newsnight's uh, reporters, Andrea Ledgelim, um, constantly report. she constantly reports on Brexit. It's supposed to be an impartial programme. Uh, she's pro-Remain. She's known for Remain. Or um, just, she tweets pro-Remain. She's just, just known as Remainer, also. She, yeah, she is a Remainer, yeah. and she's the one representing, like, surely it be, should be someone that's just, you know, both sides, has touched both sides, and is like... I suppose no one hasn't picked a side, but why do you not have her presenting with someone else like who is a Brexiteer as well? I feel like if, if the whole thing about BBC being impartial, I feel like that wasn't there, this this would be totally fine, because not all debates are meant to be like 50-50. Like, if you think about like the climate change debate, you know, it'd, it'd be pretty foolish to have... Percent of the guests are, you know, climate change is a hoax. No, 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 no. Are yeah, so 50, climate change is real. Fifty-two percent of the people that come on should, <laughs> by your logic, then should be Brexiteers. Or maybe be you look at all the experts and what they think, and then you decide proportionally how many come on. And if three percent of experts are Brexiteers, then you got a bit of an issue there, don't you? Oh, very <laughs> funny, very. I mean, you, you think, I think I'm, it's a lot. You think more I'm than joking? That. The, the political class, I, I admit, the political class is sixty, seventy percent are Remainers for sure, but. Why, you know, who, why did the political class know more than what the general public know? They're not because the general public are not very smart, they're not very bright. Uh, so you're going to call 17.4 million people more stupid than a couple hundred people in Parliament, that's pretty thick. I mean, I thought you talk about like economists and like, you know, experts and all that. But like, the general public, yes, is not very bright. And you cannot even deny that you were telling me that half your class are anti-vaxxers. So you cannot tell we'll me... We'll touch on the anti-vaxxers <laughs> later. We'll have to touch on the anti-vaxxers <laughs> later. Alright. No. But argue against that. The general, the British general public isn't stupid. That's for sure. I mean, obviously there mm. is stupid people in the country, but I, I wouldn't say they are stupid. Generally, they're not very bright. That's, that's all I'm gonna say. No, but it doesn't mean that their vote counts any less than. No, 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 no not saying, not, not saying it does. But I'm saying you can't equate like the voice of a just random voter, the voice of an expert, like an economist that says study this for like 
years and years no, but and knows like the ins and outs of everything that's happened. No, but you're supposed to be impartial. So you're supposed to provide uh, both sides equally. That's what impartial news is, and it's not. You, okay, so do you think they should remain impartial for, for example, like um, climate change? Yeah, because there's two sides of the argument. You I think mean, should be, you should no, no, well, no, yeah, because. So you, you, I mean, obviously, the Matt, split... Matt French is a climate denialist, no, bear in mind. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> obviously, the split isn't 50-50s in climate change denial. A lot less, a lot more people believe in climate change exists than don't. But you should have both arguments on to make sure that people can make their own informed decision, rather but, than... <laughs> that's what impartial news is. And Brexit is a is a fifty fifty thing. It's not it's not a ninety five. Clearly thing. not with experts in economy. It is it is a, it is virtually a fifty fifty thing. And you know that from. It is. Where do you know it from? Are you going to list me all the facts and stuff? No, you're not exactly. <laughs> okay, uh, Brexit is a fifty. Okay, well it was fifty two percent and forty eight percent. Okay, went in twenty sixteen. In, uh, um, in the last general election, the one person that. Um, was standing for Brexit won a stonking majority. A stonking majority, forty-six percent of the votes. Yes. Oh my god, what a stonking majority! Yeah, but was it fifty-six percent of the seats? It was. Yes, passport system coming in strong. Uh, even you admit it's undemocratic. Go it's on. not undemocratic. It is democratic. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I didn't even go on. So, um, Andrew Ledgeslim and Emily Maitlis, both BBC presenters on Newsnights. Uh, both of them are pro-Remain, and Emily Maitlis absolutely despises Boris Johnson. I've not heard one good word about Boris Johnson on the BBC. Whether you hate him or not, he doesn't do everything bad. I mean, he does. He does a lot. He does a I lot. Mean, he, he messes up. He messes up a fair bit, but he's not the worst prime minister we've ever had. He's certainly not the best, but they make it out like he. They make it out like he is the second coming of Donald no, but, Trump. But, but it's, there's, there's no point in talking about prime ministers and saying, oh, he, he he's doing well because you gotta you gotta be able to hold a prime minister to account. That's that's what media yeah, no, does. Yeah, no, they do, but like it, it's a bit it's a bit far because they never say the prime minister's done well today. He's done this. They, they, they never say that about any prime minister because that's not how you get prime ministers to improve and get their act together. They you, do. Okay. No, because if you t- say, oh, Boris Johnson, you did well in only getting, I think I have like 300 deaths today. Oh, only only got 300 deaths today. They'd be like, oh yeah, why should I try to? No, but like improve? they equate they equate absolutely everything to him. So like when the when the um, test and trace system failed, it's all Boris Johnson's fault. He, he is pretty responsible it's for like, it. No, he's been told. So he, he sat around a meeting and say, we've got the, um, these companies say they can do this for us. Um, if we go and spend this much money, that, that will happen. We'll have the best test and trace system, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I want the best test and trace system. However much money, let's go for it. That's what that's the decision he makes. And then the test and trace system fails. That's not necessarily his fault. No, it's, but made it's, out it's, his res- it's his responsibility, though. He's the one who's like the figure. He's, he's the prime minister. Like, for example, uh, I don't know, if, if something happens with, like, immigration issues, it should be, like, the, uh, what's called, like, Pretty Patel's responsibility. You know, she should either, like, step down or make an apology or try to fix things. You know, if it's her responsibility... No, it's, no, some of it should be the Prime Minister's responsibility, but it's made out to be all of it. It's not all of his fault. He's not like he's gone there and he's not worked, he's not, he's, you know, been a bit lazy and he's fucked up, he, he's typed in the wrong thing and then it's made the test of choices a bit fucked up. He's not the one that's actually made it. So I don't know, I'm not, just, I'm just saying, first off, the cabinet doesn't have many, like, prominent members. You know, like, I don't know, before or something. You know, it's, it's, it's quite quite a weak cabinet, so it's quite easy to just pick on Boris Johnson because he's, like, the big guy there. And second off, again... He's, I, only, he's one of the only charismatic ones. Yeah, yeah. basically. He's one of the only one, well-known ones. And second off, again, I'm just going to say he's the one who's responsible for it. Like, as Prime Minister, he's responsible for anything the cabinet produces. So, like... If if they mess up, then he messes up. He has to bear responsibility for it. Anyway, <laughs> move that, you, you moved away from BBC bias, but good point, mate. Good point, mate. Anyway, um, also, Kamel Ahmed, editorial director of the BBC, is a pro-Remainer and wrote to BBC writers telling them to 
push anti-Brexit propaganda instead of just reporting the facts on Brexit. He he's literally been quoted as saying he did that. I'm not gonna say anything because I haven't. I have not heard about this. Why? So, no, no, no. But why is the editorial director of Pro Remainer? Why is he not impartial? Like you can have you can have your own private agenda, but if you're working as an impartial news and you're getting paid by the taxpayer to be impartial to inform us on what's going on, why are you not being? Why, why are you picking a side? It's like the Queen coming out and picking a side. Imagine if the Queen came out and picked Brexit. Everyone would be calling. All remains would be calling at the end of her funding, like we said before. I mean, I, I it would be the end of her funding if it was impartial. So why is it not the end when it's BBC when they're supposed to be impartial? Because people see like most of the media is already pro Brexit anyways, so it's not like that. I would strongly disagree with that. The most of the media is pro Remain. But the Sun, the Daily Mail, the Daily Telegraph, all those like newspapers, right wing newspapers, yeah, the, yeah. The newspapers. But like in terms of Sky News, BBC, ITV, all of them, they just constantly bash it. Yeah, but most people. If you think about like most like, people get the news from TV. If, if, if you think about like the most read newspapers no, there are in a lot, the country. There are a lot of, I'm not very clued up on newspapers, but there are plenty um, left-wing newspapers that mm. are about right. It's pretty even. Moving on. <laughs> moving, moving on, but I'm, you know, saying obviously there is right-wing newspapers, but there's also many. There's, there's, there's many more right-wing newspapers, and like the dominance, especially like from like Rupert Murdoch, like the, all, the all, reason, all the all the. the only reason they're dominant and they have more sales is more likely because the older generation use newspapers and the older generation tend to be more conservative and the slightly more right-wing because that's just the way your political views go when you get older. Your views likely will get a bit more conservative and a bit more right-wing as you get older. You might never even come close to being right-wing, <laughs> but they will get closer to the right-wing or closer to yeah. the centre. You know why I heard people saying that um, you get more conservatives and you get richer? Because obviously like that's like actually well, yeah, evidence. No, no, no. But apparently people... Obviously, as you get older, you get richer as well. So people would say, as you get older, you get more conservative. However, because of income inequality, when you get older now, you no longer get richer anymore. So people are staying like as liberal or as leftist as they used to be. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out in the future. That's true. That's a good point. Um, I know personally quite a few people that have been quite who are middle aged and then um, worked very hard for the money that they've got, and then they're very angry that people would want to vote Labour because they're like they they feel like people who vote Labour haven't worked hard enough and just want free money for work that they could have done but didn't choose to do whereas middle-aged people are speaking to have done it got the money but it's going to get taken off and if the taxes get raised etc oh, so, I want to have a little chat with them but okay moving on oh you wouldn't want to the all hell would break loose uh, anyway that's moving on for BBC Bias point, point was I'm just trying to make the point that it's supposed to be impartial news and we pay money for that and it's clearly become not impartial news which, however, where you swing it, the fact show it's not impartial news anymore on the topic of Brexit. Okay, so how how has the BBC managed to get hate for it? Like, literally, it's hated so much by the left and the right. I know because the left hated because Question Time, and there was a couple episodes no, of Question Time it. where they had um, crowds where it was quite pro Brexit, and then it, it's not the, just that. If, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure it's not just that, but that, that was one of the reasons. And then uh, it was one episode in Newcastle in particular. It was like four out of ninety-four people put their hands up when asked um, if they wanted a second referendum. And it was like back then it was probably like like thirty out of ninety-four maybe wanted it. So it was a very inaccurate crowd and representation of what the country was thinking at the time. And uh, it, it has a very strong anti-immigrant agenda. Like like it has a very strong unfair anti-immigrant agenda as well. But we're not. BBC. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I remember like for example, remember the whole Nigel Farage thing about people coming over in like. Was it like a like a dinghy or something? In a dinghy. In a dinghy, whatever. In yeah. A dinghy. No, no. It was actually like a family of ten, and the BBC like reported on it so often for like an entire like ten days. Literally, it's ten people 
Yeah, true. Four right, were, just, were kids. Not, they not, they, they just, that they was just breaking the news for a week. No, no, they just want the most dramatic story, though, don't they? Like, realistically. You could say that same with... No, no, but Brexit, same... but okay, we move on. No, but Brexit's a different issue. That's a different issue entirely. But yeah, no, I suppose you could, but constantly it's a bit different constantly. And especially when they bash it more and more coming up to key points. Like, they bashed it loads coming up to the election after the election stop bashing it and now coming up to the 31st they started bashing it a lot again this is why I'm bringing it up now because it is annoying me because I'm sat there going what do you think is going to happen now? Um, on 31st yeah. I think we're going to leave no deal I don't think we'll get a deal oh fun you can enjoy so paying on, 10 times as, many, as, we're moving as much on to for the, this is our another day <laughs> we're going to move on the Brexit deal or no deal so what do you think on the 31st tomorrow? Uh, I think I, I, I'll be fully honest I think Boris Johnson is not that like I think yes, he he's he's really thick and he's really like stubborn, but I don't think he's stubborn enough thick. to leave without a deal. Like he, he knows what's. I don't think you could call him thick, like the man himself thick. I think he's highly a lot more intelligent than you or me. Like <laughs> no, that, that's a, that's a that's just a fact. I mean, if you... he, he he tried to pass a bill that would break international law. Okay, not thick, but like doesn't know what's best for the country. I guess maybe. And I I don't think because because right now today I think uh, yeah no, you can't... He, he's announced that he he's willing to. Uh, like remove the internal market bill, which is like the thing that broke um, international tra- international law. So he's clearly willing to change some things, which I mean, I'm, I'm glad he's actually willing to change, you know, like change his stance on things. Um, I don't think because of how disastrous No Deal is being made out, I I, I don't think that he'd be willing to risk it. Do you not remember, like, like, Theresa May's government was like, this is what's going to happen under a no-deal Brexit? Yeah, but and, like, Theresa, ev- everyone's Theresa, tra- Theresa May was a Remainer, so, like, mm. she, she is very... Um, she was a Remainer, but she was also trying to, like, leave as well. No, she she was trying to re- remain light, is what I'm saying. So, yeah, she was trying to remain light, she was trying to stay in the single market, the customs union, which essentially just isn't Brexit. It's, it's being in Europe, in your, just without having the membership. That's Economically Europe. Well, not not even that. If you're in the single market in the customs union, you're still governed by lots of EU laws, which is the point of Brexit was to be under our own steam. I mean, you know when we leave the EU, we're not even going to lower our like, consumer and protection standards. We're going to keep the same standards, because that, that's part of, like... Because we're so geographical... For a lot of things, yeah, but we no, can, no, 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 we can decide whether or not no, to change right, our standards. So, so the deal we have with the EU so far is, when we leave, we're not going to lower it to become like more competitive, you know, like like you know, slash union rights and all, or like slash no, minimum well, wage. The, that, but, but if they raise it, we don't have to raise it at the same no, time. But if we have if we have no deal, that won't be the case. No, no, but that's the that's that's an agreement we have in place. Yeah, but it, that's part of the deal that is supposed. I'm I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that's like outside of the deal, but I don't think it is because if no deal, it's just we do what we want. That's basically it. But no, because we have to take no, the economic because, because because we still have like some sort of relationship with the EU. You know, it's not like we've we've just like we're just an alien country. We we still have relationship with the EU. Yeah, we're still trading with them, and but we won't be just law wise. We won't have anything to do with. It. We might still have the same laws, but we can change those laws without having to consult them. No, you could change them right away. But okay, anyways, moving on. Right, moving on. But you you think there'll be no uh, deal? I, no, no. I actually don't think there'll be, there'll be no deal. So you think there'll be a deal? Really? I think, yeah, because cause a lot of... I think how, many heard, days, how many days have we got now? Uh, like 24 days? 24, yeah. 24, quick maths that. Oh, damn! <laughs> uh, 24 think, days for a deal, that's not... That's not but you've heard, they are saying they're like 99% through. Like, like a lot of like insider leaks and things. Like they basically got a deal done. They're just like ironing out. Obviously, Ironing out a few major yeah, details, yeah, yeah. like the fisheries yeah. policy and stuff. Yeah. God, the fishery. I don't know why fisheries ever became such a big deal. 
Well, it's, it's, it's kind of a matter of sovereignty. You know, a lot of people did vote on the sovereignty thing. It's, so it's, 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 like, it's like a kick in the teeth if you allow that. It's a very patriotic idea because like, most people don't, don't, aren't affected that much by fish. No, and but it will improve the economy a little bit mm. as well. Like, it'll help. Mo- most of the fish we catch is sold to the EU and most of the fish we eat is imported from the EU. So True, it's but it, we have to sell it with a tariff to other countries. That's why... But, but we're selling most of our fish to the EU. Though. No, no, but like, when we leave, then we outside of the sea... It's going to take years to actually... Yeah, oh, we'll see. Know, we have no idea if it take years. It could take months. It could take weeks. We have no idea. We will just have to wait and see. It is not going to take weeks mm. to get no, no, trade no. deals. To get well, you can make a trade deal within a couple of weeks with one country. Yes. Realistically, Re- like, well, like realistically, I- realistically, it's going to be a couple of years until you see the proper benefits of Brexit. Yes. And I, I, I see it as that, but I see that as being worth it. The initial hit, I see as it being worth it. But it's definitely not as catastrophic as um, people make it out to be. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> two two funnies of the day. Oh, these, these, these are well. The first one's really depressing for me, but quite <laughs> funny for everyone else. So Arsenal have uh, had the worst start to a Premier League season in 45 years. Now I appeared on Arsenal Fan TV in um, a much much viewed video, <laughs> 35,000 views, pretty for a 1.2 million subscriber channel. That's pretty poor, but. Um, I thought it was a pretty funny video. I was half, I was half off my head, not off my head. <laughs> I'd had five pints of cider and then gone straight on. <laughs> so I was, what? I was, um, I was jolly. <laughs> I was jolly. Um, and I went off the fan TV and I was back Arteta. Um, I would still get rid of Cronkite. Um, but this season Arteta is, is going, is going to use the, to use a. A not so nice phrase. It's going tits up for him. <laughs> we are 15th in the team. Oh, we are now 16th. Brighton have taken <laughs> the game in hand. <laughs> 13 oh. points. Oh. oh my god. Let me just say, as someone who hasn't watched football for like a year, hasn't kept up with it, this is this is very surprising. Tottenham, number one. To be fair, we only lost 2-0 to Tottenham and we had 70% possession against them. So like, that, that shows how insanely competitive the Premier League is. Like, the top team had 30% possession against the team that were in 16th. <laughs> like that that's insane. I'll be fully honest, I didn't even know Sheffield United and Leeds were part of the Sheffield Premier League. United, yeah, no no Sheffield United didn't score for like the opening eight games. Oh like they literally God. didn't score the opening eight games. Um it is pretty depressing being an Arsenal fan right now, <laughs> Bamiang's not scoring. It's going badly for us this season. Oh. Last time check was like Unai Emery was still manager. Good evening. Oh, <laughs> every every interview you can pronounce good evening. Oh god. Um the second funny of the day, which is one I, I really <laughs> did laugh at when I saw it. Um, Gordon Ramsay's daughter, what's her name? Tilly. Tilly has come out and said she likes her mum's cooking more than her dad's. <laughs> so it's just a slap in the, the face. The mum isn't a professional cook. Is no, she? no. Gordon Ramsay. She's like a regular he, mum. He's quite a regular mum. She's married to Gordon Ramsay. We'll call her regular. Um, yes, Gordon Ramsay is a professional chef, and she likes her mum's cooking more. To be fair, I've seen, I've seen, I think like uh, some of Gordon Ramsay's videos. He does cooking with her, and she, she does some pretty nice dishes, to be honest. So I mean. She, he, he's probably rubbed off a bit on her as well. well maybe. Gordon Ramsay's Gordon Ramsay is good to be fair. He's yeah. Um, Pretty good meme. Next bit. Today, well, that's funny as the day. Trump conceding. Do you think it will happen? Do you think he will concede the Electoral College? I mean, I think as much as he wants to cry and all that, I think it's not really possible for him to do anything about it. You know, like he's going to... Eventually, he is going to get dragged off by, you know, like the White House security guards. You know, on the front lawn, and by January twenty first or something, I think is the yeah, inauguration do you, day. Do you think he will do do it peacefully, or do you think he will? So, if the electoral college concludes no vote fraud, all cases closed, 
Electoral College then votes him out, which is what will happen. I think I think he's going to keep going until like the very last day, because here's a hypothesis. Basically, here's my theory. Basically, to be fair, can we just note that your presidential el- election prediction was spot on. Was was pretty much spot on. You said. Biden will Biden. No, I, uh, no, no, no. Trump, Trump I said initially Trump, Trump is going to lead, and then as we get more postal votes, Biden's going to start leading, and then Trump is going to claim voter fraud, and he's going to try to like get Go cases in every process. single state, and he's going to try to like claim uh, you know, voter fraud's going to is, is rampant and all that, which obviously is not true, mm-hmm. and then which to this day is exactly what is happening. So far, I've, I've been spawned. I'm yeah. pretty sure a lot of people said that as well. So did like, you did you say that Trump would get back in based off the legal case, or did you not? I. Uh, to, to be honest, it, it was more of like what I was hoping would happen. I was hoping, uh, okay, not really hoping, but I, I think like this, this would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, basically, it goes up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court agrees with Trump, and then everyone just like riots in America. <laughs> Why is that fun to watch? You just, like, Why do you want riots in America? Because we can just watch it from here. It's, it's just gonna be fun. <laughs> no, but I feel like that starts a trend. England, that, that trend Ooh. would set a trend. Yeah, it's right in England. Let's go. Well, no, America, America and England, they are quite similar. Yeah, and, but, um, no, but, but usually what happens in America tends to happen here a couple no, of years later. But, but I see, I see. Like differently because I think obviously Britain's like really close to America culturally, but like the political system I think is worth saving here compared to America because like the political system there is just it's it's so messed up. They've been using the same one for like three hundred years. Seventeen seventy six. Yeah, and, and they're still using it this day. It's way overdue. It's like a, like a massive change, and they haven't like it's four pages long. Their constitution. <laughs> Our EU deals are like six hundred <laughs> pages long. I wrote more for my politics exam than the actual constitution as well, probably. Yeah, no, most likely. And they've had like seventeen amendments in like three hundred years. Think about it, seventeen amendments in three hundred years for the Bill of Rights. <laughs> Unbelievable, isn't it? That, that's not a lot either. I mean, guns over there. So culturally, we. We are similar, but culturally, there's a big difference in guns. guns uh, in it's, America, it's, it's, it's like not just no guns represent a different thing. Guns represent like the sense of freedom from the government, basically. Whereas obviously there, there is that sense of freedom here, but like oh. it's nowhere near as close. That's also what I wanted to talk to you about. Um, so Ben Shapiro's argument for oh God. Ben, ben Shapiro, the, the right wing beast. Oh <laughs> ben God. Shapiro, ben the really fast talking guy that doesn't say a lot but does make occasionally good points. He, his um, stance on guns was he wants guns in the country still because he does believe the government which to be fair with the way it looks will go tyrannical at some point he wants the guns to be able to you know fight and overthrow them basically and that's the main reason he still wants guns in america obviously there's also the other reason that he doesn't say is i kind of like guns i want (laughs) to keep my gun it's kind of fun shooting one on the weekend yeah so that's his argument for it what would you say back to him about that i mean first off they seem to like Okay, I'm not, not going to use the term bootlicker, but basically there's, there's these people who claim that they want to protect themselves from the government, but then end up like supporting the government in every single fascist and like very, very authoritarian like, actions that they do. And they're, and they're completely fine with it, they just roll with it. So it's a bit hypocritical. Also, they seem to be pretty quiet when a black person is shot down for exercising their Second Amendment rights. I think it was like um, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend or husband or something. Basically, he was... So, so, you know, they were sleeping in their apartment, and then the police kind of, like, knocked down their door in the middle of the night. And obviously, if you're woken up by someone breaking into your house, obviously the first thing you do is go to grab your gun. Mm. That's, that's what the Second Amendment is actually for, you know, if, if you ask yeah. it's conservatives, it's to protect yourself. And he was shot down, and then you don't see any conservatives actually, you know, speaking up for that guy, because, I mean... I wonder what the difference there is. Well, it's an example of why guns doesn't work, because if he, he... He wouldn't be dead if... 
the second man wasn't a thing because he would, they would have broken into his house, broke the door down, come in, and he wouldn't have been holding a gun, so they wouldn't have needed to shoot him. <laughs> no, no, but my point is, it's like it's it's pretty rich from conservatives hearing how they're all for like uh, they're all for trying to prevent a tyrannical government, but every tyrannical thing they do, uh, the government it, it, they're just completely fine with it. And you know, whenever like a black person exercises their Second Amendment right, they're just like, and and it's usually like almost always. That happens with black people. Though, no, 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 no. It's disproportionately compl- black people though. But do they complain about it when it's a white? Oh person? no, no, no. They do not shut up. They do not stop crying when it's a white person that happens. But like, if it's a black really? person, they just just, just nothing. Send Very me silence. the. Um, you'll have to send me that at some point. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's not. Uh, so uh, institutionalized racism. Ben Shapiro's argument for that was. Show me a racist law and we'll fight that, it. That's, that's the most future racism is. It's a law that disproportionately affects different races. Like, face, okay. So, yeah, but also institutionalized means built into society. So it doesn't yeah. just mean laws. It means just society in general. So the fact that we've had the older generation does have bigoted views has affected the opportunities for black people. So that is institutionalized racism. But no, yeah. Itself. And the thing is, I mean, most people like when we talk about institutional racism they are about like a governmental scale like like like, like a state level no not just like cult- culturally you know that shifts as obviously you want to help yeah, it as much possible but okay for example uh, this is like a real life example voter id laws ever since uh, black people were like you know ever since what voter id laws basically ever since the what are they explain what yeah, they are yeah basically ever since um the emancipation of uh, proclamation from like, abraham lincoln mm-hmm. there have been attempts to kind of uh, limit the black votes you know, in general, like passing different laws. For example, there was like the grandfather clause, where you're only allowed to vote if your grandfather was able to vote. Obviously, black people at that time, all the grandparents and all their parents were slaves. Yes. They were allowed to vote, so obviously that's all black people gone. Then it was literacy, literacy tests. Obviously, you know, black people had like worse access to education. They, they were more actively illiterate, so that affected black people more. Mm-hmm. Poll taxes. You know, there's different things. And now, right now, it's it's voter ID laws. Basically, to go to vote, not not to register to vote. Register to vote. Obviously, you need to prove yourself. But to just go to vote, some states are requiring you have certain IDs, you know, like a driver's license or something, which disproportionately affects black people. And it's not like an important crisis where, you know, like millions and millions of people. I think it's like like 200 cases in the past 20 years. I, th- I, think, I think it was like something like 100 million votes have been, like, no, no, sorry, like, like a billion votes have been cast in the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And something like 200 cases of, you know, uh, voter ID fraud has been found. So it's clearly such a tiny, tiny proportion of the votes. It's actually like a problem for voter ID laws. Yeah, and these not enough to affect exactly nowhere near to swing anything. Like we're trying, not even like like a county, mm-hmm. and and these people are still trying to go after. So, so yeah. So basically, they don't have to. Um, they don't have to say this is only for black people, only for white people. They can say we need you know a driver's license to vote, and you just look at the data and you see like I don't know half of people, half of black people don't have a driver's license, whereas only a quarter of white people don't have a driver's license, or like a passport, for example. So you're saying the voter ID law is a modern example of a racist law? Yes. Of, of institutional, yeah, actually, yeah, it's a racist law, basically, yes. Yes. Yeah, so because, realistically, what, what, no one's out here trying to... How hard to is it to get a form of identification, though? So... Uh, like it's, it's, it's different state on state as well. If you think about it, like here, but basically like everyone has every, a passport. Here, every black person can get a provisional driver license, right? I, I don't know how it works in America, but it's it's basically it's 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 not like easy to get. But also, if, if people think about passports, but passports aren't a thing in America because most people travel between states, especially on, on an airplane. And yeah, you, don't, true, you don't need passports for to fly between states. True, but surely there is many different ways you can get an ID. No, no, but I have many different forms of ID. I've got. Um, obviously, I've got a passport, like I said, that's not, yeah. not a thing in America, really. Uh, I've got my old provisional driving license, which I can show someone, which will show my date of birth, I didn't give that stuff. My driving license, 
I've also got um, what's it called national insurance number as well and then you know bank you know no but you're not, you're not going to go to the like like polls with your bank account are you especially there's, there's no, not even like it's a proof of identification no, 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 you, isn't it uh, not really because you need like a face don't you? you need like a face and details and all that yeah but it's not it's not that hard to get ID so that's quite no, a no, is that not quite an irrelevant not really no. how many black people that actually really stop vote like stop them voting it, it doesn't have to stop a massive amount it just has to discourage them so like the entire so everyone thinks like oh you know it's just one person it's not going to matter but that yeah no very but, but you've influenced like 10 million black people across the country to not vote and that that's a big difference yeah very that's a massive difference and sorry it's probably why what how many is it it's probably less than 50 percent of america like population wise 330 mil how many in the last election uh things like biden got 79 and trump's got 73 officially so far that's like half almost or something yeah, it's about half, isn't it? So it's Pro- like, probably more than half of the uh, like voting age. Well, no, it's, it's more than half of voting, yeah, because you've got a lot of kids in America, obviously. That's a massive amount of the population, but still. No, but, like, institutional racism very much is alive in America. And, and England as well. I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not too sure how England is doing, because, like, most of the conversation is centred around America, so I'm, like, more confident with that fact. Um... Ah, does institutionalised racism exist in England? I couldn't personally, but obviously I'm not affected by it, so personally I couldn't. Also, think uh, 67% turnout this, this year. Yeah, that was a very high turnout. Wow, that isn't I mean, it's, it's a lot very, higher. Yeah, no, but it's, still, it's quite low compared to other countries. But still, yeah, but for America, that's very high. Because they're, they're, they're quite a lot of the people are disinterested and they're just like, ah, fuck you, I'm getting on with my life. We <laughs> that, don't know that, what accent that was. That's that Australian, that's yeah. very much not American. I've been watching a lot of Aussie Man reviews. Whatever, anyway. <laughs> I can tell, I can tell. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, I'll be honest, I'm not going to talk about British institutionalised racism, because I know, like, obviously, you know, immigrants moving here, having less choice, having less options and less, you know, opportunity and all that, but that's just a given for every country, and I'm not too sure how, you know, people are treated here as, like, society level. So I think we are one of the most diverse cultures in the world. My teacher, one of my teachers the other day, I was asking her about Brexit, she was a Remainer, and she was saying that um, she didn't think the country was diverse enough, and it's like, that's... I mean, she is kind of true. Yeah, no, she, she's kind of right. She didn't it, think it was diverse enough, but like that's the first time I've ever heard that. Do you know what I mean? No, like, she, she's not wrong. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that diversity should be feared. Like a lot of people are like, oh my god, diversity you know, it, keeps our culture. But, like, if, no, if, no, it, no, it if it's organically be. moved, then you know, why not? Yeah, no, no, there's nothing wrong with it. No, it's just you want people coming in that are skilled and contributing <laughs> straight away. Oh, uh, we're not going to this again, are we? <laughs> no, but like that is the point, isn't it? We'll, we'll have plenty of time um, for that on the 31st of December. Yes, we'll be having a Brexit debate. Um, I'm thinking of scheduling that one for two hours. <laughs> like, two hours, genuinely. Wait, forget two hours. We're just going to take the whole day just arguing. <laughs> we might have to take the whole day and make it like a little series. That's <laughs> eventually like two hours per immigration. Um, per, per, like, policy. So per immigration. Immigration. immigration is like two hours. And then, um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that will be all for today's episode of the Cheshire Boys Experience. So we'll um, always go back to institu- institutional racism every time. That was yeah, obviously because they are the two Ma- the main ideas BLM and ma- main yeah. issues that we face at the moment in terms of massive political things that divide virtually everyone. Yeah. Like, um, obviously, and there's the abortion argument too, which also we cover quite a bit, but we've managed to stay off today, which <laughs> uh, we will cover that another time when we will do a pro-life podcast, hopefully with someone who is pro-life, um, Amar. Yes. And then we'll do one. Uh, we'll have a person that me mediating because I'm kind of in between the two, um, and then someone who is completely pro-choice. Um, 
Anyway, this has been Matt French and a guy called Omar. <laughs> See you later.